uh, the book of Galatians. We've been walking through the book of Galatians, so if you're new or visiting today, uh, that's where we're at. Uh, if you're new or visiting and you don't have a copy of God's Word, you can grab a copy if you'd like to from the pews, um, and you can turn to, uh, we're going to be in chapter 3 this morning, and we're going to cover most of chapter 3. Uh, so feel free to, to grab that. That's where we're going to be. I want to start by asking you this, and maybe some of you are, are uh, too young to remember this name, uh, but what does George Michael and the Apostle Paul have in common? Does anybody know? Oh, you got me, man. Yeah, you got to have faith. I, th I, th I don't know of any other George Michael songs. I'm sure there are some. Uh, but that's the one I know, and probably his, his biggest hit. So George Michael and the Apostle Paul both said, we've got to have faith. This chapter of chapter 3 uh, breaks down like this. And you might see that if you have an ESV or any kind of other version that has like headings and things like that, it's going to break down like this. One is God's covenant with Abraham. The next is God's covenant with Moses and then God's covenant through Christ. Okay, so that's one way to break it down. Your headings might say something different, but in general, that's how they're breaking that down. And we understand why, if we understand Galatians, right? Because again, re remember, he's writing this as a response to an attack on him as a preacher and teacher, as apostle. Uh, he's also writing this in response to uh, these, these Judaizers who are saying Christ plus these other things, right? And so he's covering this old covenant, this initial covenant with Abraham, the ratifying or, or, or um, grafting into the law that's now part of that covenant through Moses in, in Sinai. And then he's talking about the fulfillment of that covenant, uh, the ultimate fulfillment and the new covenant that is in Christ. And so that's why you can break these down in that way. What I want to cover with you is because he says, just like George Michael, you got to have faith. And so, my, so we are, as Christians, we are to live by our faith. Now, that's great. How? What does that look like, Pastor? How, how do we do that? Uh, give me some rubber on the road here so that as I go forward today, I can actually put in practice these things that we're talking about. It's, it's great to spouse eloquent of living out this faith or you just got to have faith and it's a nice tune or, or whatever, right? Uh, but how do we do that? So I want to talk about what I think are four practical truths to remember as we take these steps about actually living a life of faith, okay? So, before we jump into God's word, I would, I would like to go to him in prayer. Will you join me? Yeah. Our great God and Father, everything that we have is yours. Our health, our wealth, our wisdom, and, and even our faith itself belongs to you. There is nothing that we have that was not given to us by you. Your word tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from you. And it is to you that we bring our praise. Lord, we come before you today and we confess our failures and our faults, our sins before you that we commit either overt disobedience or covert lack of obedience. Much of our transgressions are due to our weak faith. You have commanded thus and so, and yet we do not obey. 
But we thank you, Father, that you are patient with us. We thank you for your word, which will encourage us today to have a greater faith and to walk in that faith. It is to this end that we come before you. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Lord, we have some faith, but we wish that you might give us more. We desire for our hearts to burn with zeal, for our lives to count for you, for our praise to be pleasing to you. I would say we want, but God, we need your faith, your hope, your salvation. And so increase in us, we pray. Speak to our hearts now by your spirit through the preaching and teaching of your word, for your word is truth and life. In the precious name of Jesus, the Holy One of God, our spotless lamb, we bring these confessions, thanksgivings, and petitions to you today. Amen. So, uh, as we go through this, I'm not going to go exactly verse by verse. I know you have a copy of God's Word. I know you can read that on your own, so I would encourage you to read through all this section. The first thing of this section that I want to talk about with you is firstly accepting the venture of faith. I want you to accept the venture of faith. Some of you may have, some of you still may need to, and all of us, probably God is going to call us in the very near future to stepping out in faith in a new way, regardless of where we're at. And so I want to encourage you today, accept that venture of faith. Galatians 3, 2 says, let me ask you only this, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Uh, Hebrews uh, 1.1 tells us, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Right? And so what this means is I want to dare you to take this step. These ones aren't on your notes. These are bonus, okay? So as you seek to take this venture, I want to dare you to take this step. I understand what Hebrews talks about, and I hope that you do too. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. It's really easy for us sometimes, most of the time. I was just having a conversation this morning with somebody out uh, out in the parking lot. You know, when we can taste, touch, and see something, it's really easy for us to put our hope, our trust, our, our faith in it. But when we can't taste, touch, and see, that's when we come up with this terminology like a step of faith, a leap of faith. Blind faith. Yeah, there's this movie. I can't exactly remember the name of it. Maybe one of you can. It's, it's a newish movie. And it's, a, it's about these uh, elves. It's, it's animated. It's about these elves whose dad died and they've got this crystal to bring him back to life and they only bring half of him back to life. It's just his, it's just his onward and it's just his feet. And so during this movie, there's a, there's a scene in this movie where the older brother and the younger brother have to cross this chasm and, uh, and so he, he ties a rope to his, his brother in case he falls and, and he's just supposed to walk out here and there's this invisible bridge that only wizards can do and he steps out into this chasm and his... He, 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 it's, it's like solid ground. Now, sometimes following the Lord is going to feel like that. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? We brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Is that the way we see this venture? Because it takes courage. So I want to dare you to take the step, and I, I want to recognize courage is needed for this. 
It's needed to accept this challenge. Look at what Jesus said. He said, uh, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That does not have the same impact on us today as it would the apostles who saw people literally carrying their cross to Golgotha, where then they would be strung up, naked and exposed, and left to die because of the elements, or have their kneecaps broken so that they would suffocate by their own weight. It is far different today. What he's saying here is, take up your instrument of death. Take up your instrument of death and follow after me. Brother or sister, that's going to take courage. And so I want to dare you to take this step. I'm going to tell you, I know that it takes courage, but I want to guarantee you in this that God will be faithful. God sends his blessings upon us, things that we never dreamed possible. Miracles begin to happen when we practice our faith. Now, you, if, you, if you're brand new here, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not a name it, claim it kind of guy. I'm, I'm just not. I think that's bad theology. But I'm here to tell you this. I have seen God work. And if you've been walking with him, you have seen God work where you just, you just simply had faith. You just simply believed and, you, and you, you took that step, and God delivered in a way that you wouldn't have guessed before. Almost as if he had the whole thing planned out before you even took that step, kind of, right? And, and that's what his word talks about, and that's what Paul is talking about, too, when he's talking about Abraham and how he has been given these blessings and given these promises. Uh, I, I mean, think about this venture of faith that Abraham had to take, especially back then when he said, I want you to leave your people, Abraham. I want you to leave everything you know here. Take your wife. You're old at this point, right? Take everything that you know about, and I'm going to take you to a land you've never seen before, and who knows what's there, and I want you to take, and, and I just want you to come and follow me because I guarantee you that if you do, I'm going to bless you. And I'm here to tell you today, unfortunately, and maybe you're in camp with me, man, would I struggle with that. If God came to me and said, hey, John, I want you to uproot your family. I want you to leave this congregation that you love, your, your, your extended family, and I want you to go to some country and when you get there, then I'll tell you what I want you to do. I'd be like, well, I go by Jonathan now instead of John. <laughs> you know, I mean, that would be my temptation, right? I think you've got the wrong guy. I think you've, but it says in Galatians here, it's in, in 6, 7, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And so I, I want to ask you to to firstly accept the venture of faith. And so I'm going to pause just here for a minute. I'm going to say, listen, if you're, if you're here today and you don't have Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, if you're, if you're at a place where you're like, you know, I want to believe that Christ would accept me and love me and, or, or I want to believe in this whole God thing and that sounds attractive to me, but I just... You know, I, I want to guarantee you that God tells us in his word 
that if we ask, we seek, and we knock, the door will be open to us, and that those who put their faith in Christ, it says, will not be put to shame. And so from the pulpit, you're going to hear me here from, from, from the first time something that I, I probably won't say very often because I know that it can come across badly, but I want to tell you this is the area where I want you to put God to the test. Now, we're not supposed to test God, right? So don't be jumping off any buildings and be like, hey, catch me before I fall or those kind of things. But if you want to be saved, I'm just going to offer to you accept the salvation by Christ and put your hope in him. And if you have questions, that's great. I do too. That's what I try to cover early. And if you have questions, I, I want to meet with you and I want to talk about the Bible and the, the history of it or how we got the scriptures or the scientific proof or any of those other things. But I also want to tell you, friend, at the end of the day, this venture of faith is a venture of faith. It means a dare, a risk to undertake. But Scripture tells us that unlike other ventures that we might take, like economic ventures, anybody hear about the banks closing? This venture is not a risk because the Scripture tells us that Christ has died for us, that we will be saved. Any of those who confess with their heart, or confess with their mouth, believe in their heart, they will be saved. For those of you who have already accepted this venture, I want to tell you there's going to be another one coming. And so the next step that we have is to appraise the value of this faith. And, and maybe that's for you too to take this step in the first place. We need to understand the value of faith. We use it so flippantly. Like George Michael, you just got to have faith. Well, faith in what, George? What are you talking about? Or, or we'll hear, hear that around the water cooler, right? Just keep the faith, brother. Well, the faith in what, man? And so we need to see the value of this. So uh, Galatians 3, 9 says, So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So what does it mean to be blessed? Well, Ephesians 1, 3 tells us, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So as we appraise the value of faith, here are some things that it means. Firstly, by faith you are saved. That is of the most value. Because of what I said before, uh, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? There is only ever going to be one you. Out of all the people who you know, nobody loves you more than you love yourself. Except Jesus. And he died for you because he wants you. He wants a relationship with you. And it is only through Christ Jesus that we can be saved. I can't earn it. You can't earn it. We, we can't be good enough. We can't give enough. We can't participate enough. And we were never meant to. That's why he went to the cross and took our sin. That's why the punishment of, of God was poured out on Christ. That's why he said it is finished so that we could receive this salvation. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. So firstly then, as we appraise the value, it is by this faith that we are saved. That is pretty valuable. Secondly, faith pleases God. Now, I'm, I'm going to make a radical assumption. This may not be true for all of us, but I, my assumption is if you're here or if you're in any church on Sunday morning or if you're watching this online, it would be my, it would be my assumption 
that somewhere in your heart you desire to please God. If that's the case, it is faith that pleases God. Do you know why? Because what in the world, let's just be honest with each other. What in the world can I bring to God that would add anything to him? I mean, if God can speak stars into existence and name them, if God could set it up so that atoms and molecules work the way that they do, and, and that, what am I going to bring? A tithe? What am I going to, a sermon? A lifetime of good deeds where I, where I feed orphans and clothe the naked? I mean, even that, and that's great stuff, right? A whole lifetime of it. In the scheme of things and who God is, what in the world can I possibly bring to this God? I can bring my faith. I can bring my hope. I can bring my trust. I can bring my, my joy and, and my, my praise in a God who would love me, who would love you so much that he would send his son to die for us. I can bring my trust and simply take him at his word and at his promises. That's, that's what I can bring, and that's all he ever asked for. Isn't that, isn't that the amazing thing, that that's all, that's all God has ever asked for, is that we would simply trust him and find our joy and our hope and our satisfaction in him? It's, it's actually, he's not really asking all that much from us when we consider all that he has done, all that he is doing, all that he is, and he says, just simply trust me. And so our faith is what pleases God. So faith, we are saved. That's a value. Our faith pleases God, which there is nothing greater for us to do. That is literally why we created. So if you ever have anyone ask you, like, why are we here? The reason we're here is to glorify God. That's it. It's no bigger than that. And by the way, there's nothing better than that. That's it. And so that's a value. And then thirdly, faith is what preserves us. Faith keeps us steadfast and secure, and it helps us resist Satan. Ephesians 6, 16, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And so what I started with is trying to give you some practical steps. I, I hope that they are coming together and gelling in your mind. But the first step is, right, accept this venture of faith. Just accept that it's going to take faith for you to follow the Lord and stop being so fearful. Be of courage. Second thing, right, is appraise the value of this faith. Understand that this faith that you are seeking to put into practice is the very best way to worship the Lord. It's the very best way to follow the Lord. In fact, it's the only way to follow the Lord because that is what saves us. That is what brings him joy and pleasure, and that is what preserves us in the first place. The moment we stop having faith is the moment where the waves overtake us and we begin to sink, Peter, right? And so this steadfast faith is what preserves us and keeps us. And so this faith is amazingly valuable as we appraise it. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. It saves, it brings joy to the Lord, and it preserves, because we should live by faith. Thirdly, we need to apply the vision of faith. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I wear glasses. If I take my glasses off, I cannot see you. I see shapes and colors and blobs, 
And uh, my kids always ask me, whenever I have my glasses off, they're like, Dad, can you read that? Dad, can you see that? Dad, can you do this? And I'm like, bro, I wear glasses, man. What do you think the answer is, right? But you also know, if you know anything about glasses, that there's people with different levels of vision deficiency, right? And so some of us can only see like this close. Some of us can see way over there, but we can't see this close. And there's anywhere in between. And I think the good news is, is as we get older, God continues to give us over to our weaknesses so that we can have bifocals or trifocals or laser eye surgery or contacts if you're one of those that are hiding out in the crowd and, and all those kind of things. But my point is, is that we need to apply this vision because that changes the way that we see. Does that make sense? Galatians 3.16 says, uh, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to his offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. Matthew 13.17, said by Jesus, finishes this statement, I think really, or the context of what Paul is thinking probably when he comes here is, For truly I say to you, Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And what Jesus is talking about there is he is, I, I think, referencing at least to Abraham in some degree, but the other prophets as well, as saying, all these guys wanted to see the Messiah, and they didn't get to, and you do, talking to, to those who are there who could actually physically see him. And they wanted to hear this good news. They wanted to hear the news of Jesus is here. The Messiah is here. The new covenant is here. You are now made right with God. They wanted to hear that and they never heard that. And so what, what I'm positing this morning is Abraham had the right vision of faith. Firstly, we need to direct our eyes to Christ. Vision is this ability to direct our eyes, to discern, to distinguish, to discover. It is the same thing I was, I was listening uh, to this, this comedian. He was talking about greyhound dogs. If you're familiar with greyhound dogs, they are used in, in racing because they're, they're super fast, all right? And they are what are referred to as sight dogs, which means that when they see something, they will go after it. And that's, that's why they have the rabbit. So they see the rabbit, they take off after the rabbit, and they aren't dissuaded by the rest of the stuff around them until they get to that rabbit. That is the way we need to fix our eyes on Christ. There's all kinds of scriptures. I'll reference my brother Peter again. At the moment that he took his eyes off of Christ and onto the waves, the things around him, that's when he began to sink. I want to make sure I have time at the end to read you this great thing that I hope, if this, at the end, if what I'm about to read to you doesn't pump you up, then you need to check your pulse before you leave, Okay. So we need to direct our eyes. We need to put on our spiritual glasses. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So what does Jesus leave out for us? He begins it and ends it. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What joy? The joy of having you as part of his family. So we need to direct our eyes to Christ. Secondly, how we do this vision is we remind yourself of the victory in him. Things like, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now that does not mean that you can say that on the disc golf course and then ace every hole. That's not what we're talking about. But what we are talking about is that in Christ, you can do all things for God's glory in his will that you are required to do. Anything that God is going to require of you, 
some of you have said things like this to me too, like my, my story's already written, right? Well, absolutely, right? But it says that he has created good works from beforehand that we should walk in them. Anything that God is going to require you to go through in your entire life, you can do if you have your eyes directed to Christ and you remind yourself continuously of the victory that you have in him. And I'm telling you this because this is what I have to do for myself. When I am tempted to do something that I shouldn't do, when I'm tempted to say something that I shouldn't say, when I'm tempted to think something that I shouldn't think, when I, when I am in those uh, throes of life, I have to remind myself of things like Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And there are so many others. So we need to remind ourselves, we need to fix our eyes, and we also need to look for his possibilities and promises. I believe that God does way more miracles than we give him credit for. I, I believe that. Now, I know that in our contemporary culture, we've kind of equivocated miracles with like, make this person in the wheelchair pop out and walk around. Oh, okay. But what about the miracle of the slow change in the heart of an angry man to no longer beat his wife and instead respond with some kind of grace. What about that miracle? What about the miracle of, of, of bringing a woman who thinks that she is only good for one purpose to a place of actually understanding her identity in Christ and now having some kind of a self-esteem because of who she is in Christ? What about that miracle? We never talk about those kind of miracles. But do you know that God is in the business of doing miracles even in this room right now? Because some of those two things that I just said may hit some of you in this room right now. And there are others. And so we need to look for his possibilities and his promises because otherwise we miss them. And do you know why we miss them? Because we're so utterly focused on ourselves or on the situation or on the now. And that great saying, you know, we, we miss the forest for the trees. Or often we miss the tree for the forest. Romans 10, 11 says, for everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And so, to continue, Galatians 3.18, For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. And then Abraham wore the goggles of faith as he walked through his life. And, and the great thing about Scripture, here is why I love Scripture and why part of the reason why I believe we can trust it in, implicitly. We have the record of when Abraham takes his goggles off several times too, Right? He takes another woman, not Sarah, and then that causes a whole history of problems, right? We have the time where he goes into Egypt and doesn't, doesn't trust the Lord, so he, he gives his wife away to save his own bacon. What a jerk, right? Both times, right? And we, we sit on this end of Scripture, and we look at Abraham, and we wave our righteous finger in his face, and we say, how could you do this? Don't you believe the Lord? When in the meantime, what is he asking you to do, brother or sister in Christ, where you've removed your goggles of faith and tried to do your own thing? So why don't we cool it 
just for a minute, but also, why don't we rejoice that our God is so good and our Bible is so true that it records the terrible things that people do too, right? So, appraising, accepting the venture, appraising the value, applying the vision, and then lastly, uh, announcing the victory of faith. Announcing the victory of faith. And now what you're going to say is, well, so how does evangelism, how, how, is, how does that help me with my faith? Well, I'm glad you asked, and, and I want to share that with you, but it's deeper than just evangelism, what I'm talking about here. And so the first thing I want to share with you is this, this scripture here. Uh, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. That is the victory of Christ, the victory that we have. That's why we can say, oh, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Why? Because he's already been victorious. Anything that we are called to do, we now have his spirit living in us that then brings us this victory. That is the living out of faith, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, I will do these things through you. That is what this idea of is that faith is him empowering us for this. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and is the victory. And, and, and I'm sorry, let me slow down. I'm getting excited because I know what I'm about to read to you. 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So, how do we announce this victory? Because I said it's more than just evangelism. Well, I'm glad you asked. Firstly, we need to preach the word to ourselves. It's great, and you should be sharing the truth of the word with others. But I am my own biggest enemy. And I'm guessing that you are too. I often think to myself, oh, you're the one who there's no hope for. This is one sin too many. And, and, and to some degree, even at a different level than you, because there are scriptures that say, hey, not many of you should become teachers because if you do, you're going to be held to a higher standard. Then I'm like, I'm doubly messed up then because I'm, I'm, I know your word. And so I, I, I'm with Paul. Those things I want to do, I don't do. Those things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And then also I'm a teacher. So I, I should just throw it in now, right? And I have to preach the word to myself saying, oh, you have little faith. Do you not also know that who can pluck you out of his hand? Which means not even yourself, you idiot, can you pluck yourself out of his hand? Because what Jesus has purchased by his blood is his indeed. He who has began a good work in you will see it all the way through to completion. Does this make sense? So I need to preach to myself. So here's the great news about when you come here. Anytime you come here and you think that I'm giving you a sermon, do you know what I'm really doing? I'm just talking to myself. And you guys are in the room, Okay. And so I need to preach. We need to preach the word to ourselves. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He says, for nothing will be impossible with God. He says, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here into there, and it will move because nothing will be impossible for you. And it's not because of anything I've had, but because I have faith so itsy bitsy that God is going to do that which he seems right for him based on my faith, which is a gift from him. So I do nothing, 
right? We do nothing. So preach the word to yourself. Tell others of his faithfulness. Sharing our victories inspires the faith of others. What I mean by that is faith is contagious. You ready for this? Hebrews. This is where we're going to be. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was uh, commended as having pleased God. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he uh, by by this he commended the uh, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he uh, was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went and lived in the land of promise as a foreigner in the land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who, had, who he had received from the promises, and was in act of offering him up his son. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden from three months by the parents because he saw that the child was beautiful, which we all think that, don't we? Um, and, And then they went out afraid of the kin's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as he's seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood on the destroyer, uh, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those that were disobedient because she had given them a friendly welcome to the spies. And so we need to recognize and share our victories. Here's some more. The hungry are fed by faith. The thirsty are quenched by faith. The lame walk by faith. The mute talk by faith. The blind see by faith. The dead are raised by faith. The leper is cleansed by faith. The broken are made whole by faith. The sick are made well by faith. The prisoner is set free by faith. The abandoned are adopted by faith. The adulterer is given amnesty by faith. Alcohol is abandoned by faith. Pornography is put away by faith. Drugs are dealt with by faith. Families are restored by faith. Hope and love and peace and joy and purpose are experienced by faith congregations are built up by faith and people prevail in faith I don't know if you understand what I am saying people but here's the thing we need to tell of his faithfulness it is contagious and when we share his faithfulness to us other people can see then that God is actually working and at work and so then I made up a word yes by faith 
So we need to announce this victory of faith. And the way that we do that is by this made-up word. It's pronounced phase. We need to thank and praise him. I love you. We need to thank and praise. So we just need to phase him regularly for what he has done. Through him, let us continually offer up sacrifices of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledges his name. And so what I mean by announcing this is preach to yourself, share this good news with others, and then also thank and praise God for the faithfulness that he has given to you even when we don't deserve it and that he will continue to be faithful to you even when we don't deserve it and that he can equip and empower you to do these exact things. Because it says in Galatians 3.26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So, what does George Michael and the Apostle Paul have in common? Both said that we just need to have faith. So I hope that you will accept this venture of faith, appraise the value of faith, that you will apply this vision of faith, and then lastly, you will announce this victory of faith. Let's pray. O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob,